Um, I would like for us to turn to two portions of text this evening, if we may, uh, both from the book of Romans, one, first one, chapter 7, reading from verse 14 through to verse 19, Romans 7, 14 through to verse 19. Yes, if we'd be standing for the reading of God's word in honor of his word. Romans seven fourteen to 19, the second portion of text, the very next chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. While you're turning, I give honor to Pastor Harvey. He'd probably be going to sleep about now. He's leaving, at, he's leaving very early tomorrow for the United Arab Emirates, and so um, he's probably asleep now. But I give him honor and thank him for his mentorship and leadership and his uh, happiness or willingness to let me be here this weekend to minister. Praise God. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through to verse 19, the Bible reads, that's the one, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This is Paul speaking. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Next verse, uh, sorry, next chapter, chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible reads, well-known portion of text that we love. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Praise God. I believe that this text is imperative for us to understand if we are serious about longevity in the house of God. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you here today on a title, Our Greatest Enemy. And I am speaking of, of our flesh. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands and let's pray right now. Father, we are grateful. Well, let's pray like an apostolic church here right now. Father, we are grateful that we can be found in your house, Jesus. Father, your anointing can do more than any man's words can do. And I pray that your anointing would fill this place. Let there be apostolic authority in the house. I pray everyone's hearts might be prepared for a word to find good soil. That that might change us and make us more like you. That you would be glorified in this place, O oh Lord God. Have your way. Let your will be done in your house. In Jesus' name. Let everybody say, Amen. One more hand clap of praise if you would. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. Praise God. Our greatest enemy. Well, the significance of the scripture that we have read here this evening is just about, is just as much about the man who wrote those words than it is the actual words that were written. After Paul's miraculous conversion experience on the road to Damascus, he would be a devout 
highly educated man who preached the gospel ferociously to unbelievers. Paul became the chief apostle to the Gentiles, the single greatest missionary of the early church. We know him to be the central figure of the New Testament writings where under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he would pen the majority of what we read today, including the subject of our text tonight. After his conversion, we can read that he got extremely busy in the kingdom of God, reaching unparalleled levels of church leadership and governance. He was not just a man of God, but he was a leader of leaders, spoke into churches and would rebuke spiritual leadership. He was the preeminent spiritual voice of his time. We can read for ourselves the authority with which he spoke in the epistles found in the word of God. He was an apostle, a man of God, mightily used. And all of what I have just said makes our text today even the more powerful. Because Paul, who despite his reputation and despite his standing in the kingdom of God, wrote these words, these very honest words, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Let me paraphrase that here tonight. Words written by one of the greatest men that has ever lived. He is saying, I have trouble with my flesh. My flesh, he is saying, gets between what I know to do or what I want to do. And what I actually do. Now let's have a moment of honesty here in the house of God. Please boldly lift your hand very tall if you've ever had a New Year's resolution. All right. Hand, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Now boldly take it down if it never even lasted two months. Well, we're just like Apostle Paul here in the house today. Flesh that gets between what we know to do and what we actually do. We all relate to Paul. We have all succumbed. What we want our actions to be and what our actions actually are can be two very, very different things. Can someone say, that's me? This is one of the great frustrations of our faith. We know what we should be doing, but our members, they do not comply. Our actions, they do not comply. We start doing things and we start thinking things and we start saying things that are so far away from what we as apostolic people know we ought to be doing. It's truly amazing. When you consider the greatness of Paul, yet his propensity to fail, how close we all are, all of us here in the house of God tonight, how close we all are to carnality, carnal thinking, carnal actions, and carnal motives. Let's be honest and say, that's me here tonight. For honest here today, there is a part of our walk with God, even a secret part for some of us, where we find ourselves doing things that we know we ought not be doing, and we find ourselves not doing the things that we ought to be doing. Folks, we all know what this is like. We can look the part. We can talk the part. We can pray the part. 
We can play the part. We can preach the part. We can worship the part. We can bow down at the altar the part. But God truly knows the condition of our heart here today. He truly knows what happens when we leave that door and get in our car and we go back to our houses from Monday to Saturday. God truly knows the condition of our heart. It's uh, our late Bishop Slack's favorite saying. Everyone says that he said this uh, quite commonly. He said, fake flowers might fool you and me, but they will not fool the bees. <laughs> and they're fake, just in case you don't know. And it is true. Our actions might be able to fool people for a time, but at the end of the day, amen, God knows the condition of our heart. And there's going to be a time where we've got to make an account of our life in the presence of Jesus, praise God. And I believe that there, there, there needs to be a time in our walk with God where we have the maturity to live because we want to please God, amen. Not please the man, not please leadership, not please the UPCA executive board, but we ought to please God because I tell you something, he might be here on a Sunday, he ain't in your prayer closet at home, he's not there watching over your shoulder when you're in your living room. We need to live as unto pleasing Jesus Christ who is the author and the finisher of our faith. But we've all been there. And I put my hand up first. I preach to myself here today. We come to the altar. We repent. We ask for forgiveness. We walk back to our chairs. And uh, and uh, for, for a few days or for a few weeks, everything's okay. And we might make a stand for a while. And then, and then we fall to the very same thing again. And then we come back to the altar and we pray and we seek forgiveness. And then we go back to our chairs. And then two more weeks we have, we do pretty good. And then we come back again and we have this cycle of sin until we feel like spiritual cowards and we cannot even lift our hands in the presence. How many can relate to that here today? Cause that I've lived that. I've been there myself. We have all done it and we share this experience with Apostle Paul. This is a cycle of sin that even Paul was part of. Paul says in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He loves the word of God and we love the word of God. He said verse 23, but I see another law in my members. That wars against the law of my mind and brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. He is saying that my mind knows what to do, but the sin that dwelleth in me is warring with my mind. What we have here is a man who hates his actions against God. And I relate to that. We aren't willing participants of that cycle of sin. We are unwilling participants of that cycle of sin. And that's a really powerful difference. The world is, they are willing participants and there is no good sin. But we are oftentimes unwilling, everyone say unwilling. Unwilling participants of cycle of sin, just like Apostle Paul was. And you see, the mistake that I used to make as a young man that read these scriptures, as I used to read this text and say, well, if Paul fell to the flesh, maybe it's okay if I fall to the flesh. If it's too hard for him, this great man, maybe I ought to just concede and say it's too hard for me. And I would use these words to justify me giving in to my carnality and my flesh. But you see, all I was doing was 
damaging myself and hurting myself and my relationship with God. I was distancing myself from God. But church, what that scripture ought to tell you is this, that if Paul couldn't do it in his own strength, then we cannot do it in our own strength. That if Paul's willpower was not enough, then our willpower is not enough. I don't care how many degrees you have or how smart you are, what your IQ is, we cannot stand up to our flesh without the help of the Holy Ghost in our life. Praise God. Doesn't matter who you are here today. You can preach sermons. You can sing songs. You can pray for five hours. You still have flesh inside of you that wars against what we know to do. Praise God. If the great apostle Paul couldn't do it in his own ability, then we cannot do it. Our best effort is no match for the sin that is inside of us on our own in the flesh. We are captive to this nature. Praise God. Saints of God, I want to tell you here today that flesh has no ability to defeat flesh but the only thing that has the ability to defeat the flesh inside of us is the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Ghost inside of us. There is only one power in this world that can break the bonds of flesh and sin that's the holy ghost difference say holy ghost inside of you and i here today why is that why is the holy ghost the only thing that has the ability to defeat the flesh inside of us because it's not natural it is not a natural source intelligence is natural talent and ability is natural Even your discipline is natural. These are natural sources. But the Holy Ghost is not a natural source. It is a supernatural source. That's why the only way that we can defeat our our natural carnal selves is when we are full of the Holy Ghost. When we are prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the only thing that can defeat the flesh inside of us. Can someone say praise the Lord? Bible says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the Greek translated, uh, the Greek translation of power is dynamis. Everyone say dynamis, which forms the word dynamite. And I would say today that if you want to blow up the parts of your life that, that come from a root of carnality and flesh, if you want to blow them up like dynamite, that the Holy Ghost is the only thing that can do it, praise God. I don't care how many letters there are after your signature. I don't care how many degrees you got on your wall or the zeros in your bank balance. You need the Holy Ghost in your life to be stirred up every single day if you have a chance to defeat that flesh inside of you. Tap your neighbor and say, I need the Holy Ghost. And I'm sure there are people in this room here tonight that could testify that when you came to the house of God for the very first time, you carried baggage and sin in the house of God with you. And when you heard from the word of God that those things were not of God, you tried in your own flesh to get those parts of your life out of your life. And I promise you, because I was that same person, you were not successful in defeating your former self out of willpower. But it's when we are full of the Holy Ghost. It's when we come down to this altar and we feel the Holy Ghost stirred up inside of us. All of a sudden, we have a source of power inside of us 
that gives us the ability to go home and be victorious and defeat that carnal fleshly nature that's inside of us. Because we need the supernatural source of the Holy Ghost. See, having the Holy Ghost is powerful. And most of us here have experienced that for ourselves. But a spirit that lies dormant does not have power. A dormant spirit has no power. Another Bishop Slack saying is, you might have the Holy Ghost, but does the Holy Ghost have you? There is a principle, a spiritual principle, but there's many illustrations that we could use to prove it here on earth. Neuro, neurologists will tell you that one of the greatest ways to delay the onset of dementia is to keep your mind active. So young people, I've already roasted you once, I'll roast you again. Don't laugh at grandma granddad when they're doing the crossword puzzle, Okay. They are delaying the onset of dementia. Keeping their mind active. Another illustration, which is a personal one, uh, regarding rugby. Sorry, I'm not going to encourage it, but I'm just going to use it as an illustration. <laughs> just insert AFL whenever I say rugby. <clears throat> so when the mind needs to remain active, but in the body it's the same. I remember when I was back at the University of Queensland playing rugby and we would finish our last uh, game for the year and we'd have about two or three months off and, uh, well, brother, brother Butcher, I spent a lot of time pulling in a KFC in that three-month break. You have KFC here, don't you? Well, didn't get my, no one said anything there, so I was... And so I'd pull in a KFC and uh, my favourite was an uh, uh, ultimate uh, Twister meal with an extra Twister burger because it's not quite enough in just the normal ultimate meal. Yeah, a few amens. Yeah, now we're talking. And I remember I would uh, go to town in that two or three months because, uh, well, there was no coach watching over our shoulder. And uh, don't worry, I, I didn't discriminate. I went to McDonald's a few times as well, just to keep it fair. And uh, over two or three month period, I would just consume it and I wasn't doing much exercise. They didn't have Netflix back there, but I still found a way to do nothing and sit at home. And uh, so this was a few months and then we'd come back to training and I still remember that we rock up to that first training session after our uh, off-season. There was not a football to be found. Only our fitness coach would be there. And so he'd get us all together and we would do these things, disgusting things called 300s. Anyone here know what a 300 is? Yeah, yeah, a couple of hands. They do it in AFL too, do they? That's all right. So 300s, basically the way it worked is we had one minute. Every minute we had to start a new 300. It was 300 metres around a field, Okay. And a new one had to begin every minute. Which means that if we finished it in 40 seconds, we got to have a 20 second break. If you were a little bit slower, like the Fords, they would just basically keep on jogging. It took them a minute to get around and they just kept on going. But I remember one particular season, the start of the 2008 University of Queensland rugby season, we were doing 300s. 10 300s on one minute. And so I did the first couple back then I was under 100 kilograms, so I, I moved a little bit better than I would today and had a little bit more hair as well. But I, was, uh, I got through about three 300s and everything was okay. And then all of a sudden, on the fourth 300, I tasted the KFC herbs and spices. I started to feel like, oh, that's right. And I started feeling very unwell. 
And the, the plants around the University of Queensland track, uh, Pastor Butcher, weren't quite as pretty as this. Mostly they were just shrubs, but I thought that would be a good place to present those herbs and spices back to the world. And so I remember that I was leaning over that bush and I was uh, being unwell, in case you didn't understand what I was saying. I was, I was vomiting, you know, I was vomiting. And uh, anyways, I was very unwell and uh, me and a few of the other teammates were the same. And I remember in the, in the, literally as I was about to release my final ultimate burger meal before I was going to be done, our strength and conditioning coach came up to me. And I was thinking, beautiful, I'm going to get some sympathy here. So I was like, oh, trying to make it sound as bad as possible. And I'm leaning over that bush and the, and the strength and conditioning coach walked up to me and he tapped me on the back and I'm like, great, he's going to let me have a shower now and I'm going to be able to just rest. And he said, Craig, if you don't use it, you are going to lose it. Get going. Ruthless. Ruthless. And he sent me on my way for my four three hundred after I was two kilograms lighter thanks to that bush over there. And can I tell you here today, all jokes aside, that the spiritual application is just the same. That if we do not use the gift that God has given us, amen, it will become dormant in our life and it will lose the power that it once had in our life. You may have the Holy Ghost, but does the Holy Ghost have you? You may have felt the power of God one time, but you've got to make sure that every time you come to the house of God, you're stirring up the Holy Ghost inside of you because you may have had the Holy Ghost, but it needs to have you. The Holy Ghost is more than something you've got to youth camp 10 years ago the holy ghost is something that you need to exercise when you wake up in the morning and say this is the day that the lord has made and i'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth and if you want to defeat the flesh inside of you you ought to make sure that the holy ghost is not dormant but it is alive in your spirit can someone say praise the lord tap your neighbor and say if i don't use it i'm going to lose it The Holy Ghost is there to give you strength. The Holy Ghost is there to be stirred today. That's why Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I die every day. He did not just die on the road to Damascus when he was blinded and then restored. He says, I die daily. Because as a believer... We have so many things coming against us. We have false doctrines. We have the world. We go go into our workplaces and there might be nice people there, but they are not encouraging a lifestyle of of a wholesome lifestyle and a good lifestyle. Everything's coming against us. That means that, that we need to die to self every single day. And if Apostle Paul, that great man, needed to find it in himself to die, then we must die every single day. Because when the flesh in us dies the spirit man inside of us rises and when that rises up the holy ghost is stirred in us when the holy ghost is stirred in us we have power over self power over sin and shame and power over addictions in our life we need to stir up the whole how many here know we got to stir up the holy ghost the great music won't do it great preaching won't do it we need the holy ghost alive in our life doesn't matter who you are here today we need the holy ghost alive and can i just say this it is a sad reality that many people in their conversion experience 
Feel God so powerfully and never feel it that powerful again for the rest of their life in the house of God. I do not believe it's the will of God for us to feel God powerfully on our Damascus road and then never feel that same presence ever again. I believe it's the will of God for us five years and ten years and twenty years and fifty years later to feel God exactly the same. Why? I got more evidence of His goodness in my life. Amen. We have more evidence of the goodness in God in our life. So we ought to worship Him. And serve Him and pour ourselves out before Him as we did that very first time. I believe it. It hurts the Lord to see people passionately weep at the altar. Change their life. Turn their life around. And then fall into an indefinite, lukewarm existence in the things of God. You are living beneath your God-ordained place when you slip into mediocrity, then you slip into a lukewarm existence. I believe every single time you come into the house of God, you can have an experience like that very first time when you felt the love of God in your life stretching out and touching you. Brother Cameron Butcher, I remember the very first time in that Brisbane church when I came to an altar and it had taken months for me to conjure up the boldness to come. And I walked down and I was literally standing about where, I was probably just over there in the old Brisbane church and I, and I, and I snuck out and I started walking down. I was a couple of rows in front of that sister that was very loud, if you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, I, and I snuck out and I came down. And I remember literally as my knees hit the ground, there was a release of so much baggage in my life. There was a release of pains that I never knew I had. I felt something so powerful at that moment in my life that I stepped away from that platform, uh, from that pulpit, and I took that experience for granted. Because it took a long time until I felt that again. It took a long time until I had that same experience again. I knew almost no Bible that time when I put my knees at that altar, I probably couldn't even quote you Acts 2.38 at that time. Yet I felt the presence of God so strong in that moment that it was literally life changing for me. Yet three, four years later, I could quote 20 scriptures, but I could not feel God the same way. I would stand there and be unimpressed by the presence of God. <laughs> They're singing out of tune and why are they up there and why is that preacher preaching that? And I was looking at everything except the Spirit of God in my... I, I believe right now that some of us here need to start putting our eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to find that experience where we didn't care who was doing what or what the temperature was or who was singing that and playing that. We were happy to be in the presence of God. Amen. That's why when we go to the Philippines and these third world nations, we feel the power of God because they just consider it a blessing to be in the house of God. They could care less who's doing what. As long as God was in that place, they were going to worship the Lord. 
My first ever youth experience at a Baguio youth camp and uh, Sister Jolina and her family are from Baguio. I remember we had a powerful youth service and I remember there, there would have been 500 young people at that altar and as we were cleaning up after service, I was walking around the altar and I was thinking to myself, did somebody spill some water here? There were tears all over that place. It is a, It was amazing to watch how moved they were by the Holy Ghost. And those group of Australians that were over there, who, who live in the most comfortable of lifestyles, wallet full of money, roof over their head, can stand in the presence of God and be unimpressed by the move of the Spirit in the house of God. And we left that Filipino, that Philippines experience. And I remember flying back thinking, you know what? They don't have much, but I guarantee those young people, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life because they know what it is to stir up the Holy Ghost every single time they come to service. Amen. Three years later, we returned to Bulacan, another part of the Philippines, and I was privileged to minister at a youth camp there. And I remember after one morning service, we walked around and they, they showed us the, the young people and how they were living. I took photos, Sister Emma, of those rooms because these young people were in classrooms with a pillow and a blanket and a single toilet with no fans. It would have been 45 degrees at night time. They were cooking sardines and rice and they had to make their own food. And you know what I said to them? I said, it's so encouraging to see you here. And they would say, praise the Lord, Pastor. I'm just glad to be at youth camp. I thought to myself, oh boy. Do you know what happens on the opening evening of our youth camps? Brother Greg, I wanted to stay with Sally, but I'm with Betty. And can you change my room? That pillow's too hard. I prefer a softer pillow, a little bit lower to the bed. Is that okay? And it, and, it, and, it, and it hurts. It hurts when you see people that all they want is to be in the presence of Jesus. You know what, church? You know what's going to happen when on the other side of eternity? We are just going to be in the presence of Jesus. Amen. And if we can't celebrate that on this side of eternity, then heaven's going to be disappointing for a few people. I would to God that some of us here would just put our eyes back on the Lord and start seeking after the Holy Ghost and allowing the Holy Ghost to wash over us. I don't care about the politics and I don't care who's doing what. I just want to be in the house of God and allow the Spirit of God to transform me that the flesh in me might die. That's what we need. Yes, we've been blessed, but why should our blessing deny God the type of worship that He is worthy of? You might drive a nice car or live in a nice house and praise God for that, but you ought to get to the house of God and worship Him just the same. Praise God. Do not let our comforts deny God of the type of worship that He is worthy of. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can take that blessing away in a moment, praise God. But I need to be in the presence of God. And I believe, I believe, if we can find that place in a nation like Australia, we will see revival. Because when people walk through these doors 
And we have the presence of God moving so strong. But we have media, mediocre worship and lukewarm people that are so comfortable that they can't tap into the Holy Ghost anymore. Amen. Then those first time guests are not getting a true experience of what we can see and what we can experience in the house of God. The Sunday night of our National Youth Convention, we saw some crazy... Anyone that was there, it felt like I was in the Philippines again. And I remember looking around saying, praise God for this moment. But I would love to see what's going to happen next Wednesday night when they go back to their cities to see if the God that they're doing laps around the church over on this night will be done next Wednesday. I would remind you here tonight that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can stand here in the presence of one person or 5,000 people and the same power, the same Holy Ghost can be felt in that place. God, help us. Help us not take it for granted that we are in the presence of the King of glory, King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us. Not take it for granted any longer. Sister, would you please? And so my passion, my burden, as somebody involved with God's wonderful, awesome young people, is to see a generation of young people that might live in this wonderful land, but they will never take God's presence for granted. And I believe that would extend all the way through every single generation, praise God. That every man and woman of faith, when they walk through these doors, would worship Him as though they were in the presence of God. Because you are in the presence of God. We are in the presence of Jesus. As I was studying, thank you sister, as I was studying the words of Apostle Paul, the scripture that we read I learned something quite powerful. If you read that, scholars believe that he was converted between 33 and 36 AD. Yet the book of Romans was penned sometime after 55 AD. Making Paul 20 plus years in God. When he wrote that. More importantly, meaning that he had been walking with Jesus for 20 years. And after 20 years of walking with the man and preaching Jesus, he could still concede, I have issues with my flesh. And so I would ask of you here today, many of you know lots of scripture. You've seen God do wonderful things. You have been part of powerful services. But if Apostle Paul could concede that the flesh was getting the better of him after 20 years being a mighty man of God. What about us here tonight in the presence of Jesus? I believe that we need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost just like we did that first time we came to that church full of sin and worldliness and carnality. 
Because it does not matter how many services we have sat through. It does not matter the miracles that we have seen in other fields. We are here today. And today is the day of salvation. Today. Everyone say today. This day. And we are all flesh. Which means that there is something in us that must die tonight. That we might be more like Christ. There are people here tonight and we all know what's truly going on in our own walk with God. You have been wrestling with the same cycle of sin long enough. Some of you guys have sought counseling. Some of you have downloaded apps. Some of you have done all manner of things to defeat that cycle of sin. I'm here to tell you, the only thing that can truly do it is when the Holy Ghost is so stirred up inside of you that you are literally walking with Jesus every waking moment, praise God. Because we can't trust this flesh. It must die and the Spirit of God must rise up. So would you stand right now with me in the presence of Jesus? And I don't want to put pressure on anybody here because we all have our own walk with the Lord. And I'm not speaking to any generation or young people or middle-aged or elderly. We are all sons and daughters of the Most High God here in this place. But I know one thing. We are all prone to the flesh. All of us. And so I wonder right now if you would stir up that Holy Ghost inside of you. Even cast your mind back to that moment, that service that you know where God touched you in a profound and a powerful way. I'm here to tell you that you can experience that here. Why? Why do I know that? I know that because God is here and He is unchanging. And if He did it back then, He can do it for you here tonight. Would you lift your hands right now with me in the presence of Jesus? Would you lift your hands with me in the presence of God? I don't want you to be distracted by the person next to you. This is a moment between you and Jesus Christ who is your personal Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer with you and I'm going to invite you to come down to this altar where we can all stir the Holy Ghost up inside of us. So would you lift your voices with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every single person in this place, Lord God. You know them by name. You called them out of darkness. You died for them and you saved them and you set them free, oh Lord God. But today I pray that you would move on them in a powerful way. I pray that your spirit might be stirred up inside of them. That they will leave this place changed, Lord God. Some of them came in here carrying weight. Some of them came in here carrying baggage. Some of them came in here carrying sin. But tonight, you can restore them, Lord God. You can refresh them and renew them and touch them, oh Lord God. Come on. Come on, church. I implore you right now to allow the Holy Ghost to move upon you tonight. Let this night be the night where the Spirit of God was stirred up inside of you. I want to invite you right now. I want to invite any person here today that knows that there is some flesh inside of them that must die. I want to invite you to come down to this altar 
and seek after the Holy Ghost. 